Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. We are on to the conference championship games this weekend, and we will preview them after we speak to Jay Glazer about his new book, Unbreakable, How I Turn My Depression and Anxiety into Motivation. And you can too. Jay Glazer, the insider for Fox, will join us for a deep personal conversation about his struggles with mental health and his new book. And as I mentioned, We'll look ahead to the exciting conference championship games this weekend. But before we get there, first, a little bit of a look back at all that transpired this weekend in what you could say might be the greatest weekend of playoff football that we've seen. Four divisional playoff games, all decided on the very last play. The Bengals win on a game-winning field goal. The 49ers win on a game-winning field goal. The Rams win on a game-winning field goal. And then the Chiefs and Bills put on an exhibition that ends in overtime with Travis Kelsey catching the pass that vaulted the Chiefs into the conference championship game where they will host the Cincinnati Bengals. And now, of course, as we look back, there'll be questions about Aaron Rodgers' future and Tom Brady's future. And in a way, they're kind of tied together. When Tom Brady wrapped up his career in New England, On a chilly Saturday night in Foxborough, in a divisional playoff round loss to Tennessee, it reminded me quite a bit of the way that Aaron Rodgers closed out his season in Lambeau Field Saturday night in chilly conditions against the San Francisco 49ers. There was an element of the end when Brady walked off the field against the Titans, and it almost felt eerily similar when Rodgers walked off on Saturday night, and then spoke to reporters afterwards. And he talked about the fact that he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Now, how would Aaron Rodgers, any team that had Aaron Rodgers, ever be going through a rebuild? If he were in Green Bay, they wouldn't be going through a rebuild. They would have to find a way to trim all the money that they need to do during the offseason with them being $44.8 million over the salary cap. But if he's back, Then Devontae Adams wants to be back and other players want to be there with them. But if Aaron Rodgers wants to leave, yes, then it turns into a rebuild in Green Bay. And we'll see what Aaron Rodgers decides. Ultimately, everything that he did last offseason at the last moment before he decided to report to training camp in Green Bay was designed to give him the power and flexibility to do what he wanted this offseason. They inflated his salary cap number for this offseason. They discussed the options for this offseason. They shifted the control and leverage to his side for this offseason. And it almost as if, and it almost was as if the Packers and Aaron Rodgers made a trade, a deal last summer in which the Packers get their quarterback back for at least one more year with the chance to try to keep him for additional years. And Rodgers gets the chance to move on to where he wants after the 21 season. Each side got exactly what it wanted. And now that the Packers have concluded their season with the quarterback that they wanted at the helm, now Aaron Rodgers gets to decide what he wants to do, whether that's staying in Green Bay, where there has been an improved relationship, or moving on, which seems to be the prevailing opinion of people across the league, or retiring, which he floated. But he still is playing at such a high level, it's hard to imagine him retiring. Then, of course, we have the decision of Tom Brady, And we just know, we don't know how it'll work out, but we just know that he's going to consider retiring. Now, it's hard to imagine a guy who's played this long at that level walking away 
from a sport that he has mastered and excelled at for so long. But I think it's beyond playing football. I think this is about answering to his family, being there for the events of his children, uh, the physical toll that a season takes, even when you're pliable and adhering to the methods of TB12. And so Tom Brady is going to take some time. Aaron Rodgers is going to take some time. And they become two of the most intriguing quarterback names this offseason, the third being Deshaun Watson and what happens with him. And again, what a weekend that was. Just incredible to see all those playoff games. All right, now we're going to be joined by my friend, my colleague, Jay Glazer, the NFL insider for Fox. Jay has a new book out this month called Unbreakable, How I Turn My Depression and Anxiety into Motivation. And you can too. The Rock wrote the forward. Jay has done a lot of great things during his life. In 2014, Jay co-founded the Unbreakable Performance Center, a private training facility frequented by Wiz Khalifa, Chris Pratt, Demi Lovato, as well as numerous NFL, NHL, and MMA athletes. Glazer starred as himself in all five seasons of HBO's Ballers. In 2015, Glazer and former U.S. Army Green Beret Nate Boyer founded the charitable organization MVP, Merging Vets and Players, to assist combat veterans and former professional athletes who faced a tough road adjusting to civilian life. And now Jay has his new book out talking about his life and the battles that he wages on a daily basis. What's up, little buddy? Hold on. I just want to make sure you get your times right because we were on a one. Then we moved it to 12, then you moved to 11, then you moved to 10, then you moved to, I just want to make sure you're good here. Listen, one of us here has been hitting the head a lot. The other one hasn't, okay? So <laughs> give me a little- Is that what that was? It? Is that how you're explaining it? That's Being exactly how I'm explaining it. No <laughs> doubt. It's exactly, it's my punchiness. No doubt. It took a little time before we could pin down this very time. Well, it took a, a, some time for me to pin it down, for me to grasp like the time zone change, which, you know, I think it's something we learned in first grade, right? <laughs> I'm still not there. <laughs> so, well, I, I think soon enough you'll be graduating from first grade, ready to grasp the time. If you're to me, as a general rule, if you're writing a book, you should understand time zones, Jay. Well, I was a remedial linguist. One of us here got all these, you know, degrees and awards for journalism from Michigan, if it's even a real school. I went to Pace College or Pace University. See, I even screwed that up. I don't know what it is. College, university, went to Pace, which their motto is you can get there from here. And they're, they're right because every subway stopped outside our building. <laughs> <laughs> what awards are you referring to? Because I've never won any awards. What are you talking about? You get all these awards for the pro football writers and the, no. and the that and I don't know. Like what? Like what? Hey, tell me. You tell me. I, I, every time I look over our career, you're getting something. And people don't know that, that you and I made an appearance together in the longest yard. And we each got supporting actor nominations. Best right? supporting nod. <laughs> best supporting not best supporting not now you've gone from acting and graduating and being in the television hall of fame to coming out with your new book unbreakable how i turn my depression and anxiety into motivation and you can too by jay glazer with a forward by the rock hold it up there and also i want to give a shout out to sarah tomlinson who helped you write it because i'm curious about her role afterwards because having written a book myself i've written five the last one, I had a gentleman, a great writer by the name of Michael Rosenberg helped me and couldn't have done it without Michael. And we'll get to Sarah in a moment. But tell me what you wanted to do by putting out your latest book, Unbreakable, 
how I turn my depression and anxiety into motivation and you can too. How, what I wanted to use, do is use my scars to help other people. Like, I don't talk about, except when I'm coming on here messing with you, I don't talk about my successes, but I'm always proud of my scars. I'm always telling people of, man, my back is messed up because I've, I've wrestled a thousand football players, so I'm missing my L4 and L5. It's bone on bone, or, you know, I've herniated C2345, ruptured L1, L2, or broke my ankle. I'm, I'm proud of my scars, and I'm proud, too, of, like, again, you did it the right way. You went to Michigan. You, you, you went up the ladder the way people are supposed to. I was making for the first 10 years of my career with no experience covering the Giants. And people don't know this. I was making 9,700 bucks a year for the first 10 years. And I made it my mission to outwork all y'all by not a little, by a lot, so I can get a full-time job. So it wasn't like I was able to work 40 hours here and then another 40 hours bartender or bouncer or boxing or something like that. It was 80 hours doing this. So I understood the struggle and swimming upstream and getting rejected more than any human being I've ever met in my entire life. Not more than me. Oh, come on. I'm not, not more than about, me. I'm talking about women. <laughs> <laughs> there too. <laughs> so both of us, by the way, before we get back to the book, have zero, zero Emmy nominations and loads of rejections. <laughs> um, but also I've done it. Adam, you've known me for a long time. We used to joke around that I was crazy, right? And crazy is somewhat of a badge of honor in football and certainly my fighting world. Um, but what no one realized was, yeah, I was kind of showing off the crazy to hide the pain that I've always been in. And I've never hidden it, but I just didn't know the terms to use. Now we talk about mental health. So what I want to do with this book is show everybody my messed upness, if you will. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse in your podcast or not. You do whatever you want. Okay. I'm f***ed up, but I'm good with my f***ness, right? And I want to show everybody else too, like to use that, to use my gray. If I wasn't, and my, my depression and my gray is brutal. It's every day of my life. I wake up every morning and like, I just got done doing an hour thing to convince myself that my sky is not falling. And it's a daily, it's every day. And the days that it doesn't work for me, those days are freaking hard. And I still got to go out and be on TV and break news. And I, I wear this mask. It's fake. Like it's to overcome. Like people are like, Oh, you have the Napoleon complex. Like, no, I got the depression complex. I have a huge personality to hide it and mask the pain. And, you know, I really want to use my experiences to, to help the rest of the world. I've been offered a book. I'm sure you have too, a million times about the inside stuff that we know. Right. And I'm not doing that one because I'm not looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life, but for my ability to help other people. And one of the ways it gets me through the gray is to be of service. So I wrote this book so I could be of service to people to get them to be proud of their scars. Whether you have clinical depression, anxiety, like I do, um, or you're just, it's a scarier world and man, you have gray days or gray moments or self-doubt. I hope my book can help you get through that. When did you figure out that you were clinically depressed, that you weren't right, that whatever it may be that was affecting your life? I don't know life not to be like this. Like as a little kid, I started getting taken to a psychiatrist as a little kid. And they take me to the psychiatrist. My family like, he's the messed up one. I'm like, you got it pretty fucked up too now. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I love him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I have uh, my earliest childhood memory. I would go and man, you know, when you lay in bed at night, when you are living the gray, for a lot of us, you just don't know how to like yourself or love yourself. You don't understand what that's like. 
So my nights were filled, laying in bed, screaming, crying, stuck with somebody that I'm afraid of, that I don't like, that I have no self-worth with. And it was, uh, man, I started talking to God. Like, yeah, that one up there. I just started talking to God every night, like, just so I didn't feel alone. And I, I'm a big faith guy. I'm a big God guy. And you, whatever you believe, you believe it. But, but I don't say, hey, get me this job, or can you help me do this, or blame God when something bad happens. I'll just say, hey, I just don't want to be alone. I'll do it. I'll do it. But when I get knocked down, rejected, just pick me up, brush me off. Let's keep walking this walk together. But at night, back then, too, it still is. Like, Adam, to this day, um, when I go lay my head on my pillow at night, man, and I know I've done a lot of good things, I'm trying to keep it together here because I, I feel um, I feel compassionate for me. It's like there's two different people. When I lay my head on my pillow at night, man, it is so hard. And I take a, a lot of sleeping aids I probably shouldn't take just to put myself out of that, to get myself out of that pain so I can go to sleep. Otherwise, I'll just sit up the whole night and start thinking about how bad I am or how my world's going to crash down or man, did I wrong this person? I did that. And I live in this shame. So the gray brings a lot of shame along with it. So I'm it's the other thing I'm trying to coach people out of that shame. But you're still battling it every day. Still. Every day. It, it, and, and in the book, it's a prescriptive book. When I, I do a lot of things to get through it and I offer these up and they are like the three pillars I have to get through the gray are have a team. Right. So when I'm with the Fox and Sunday guys, I'm phenomenal. Man, it's great. I got my team. When I have my fight team, I am so great in chaos. I'm so bad and calm. So when I'm in a cage with Chuck Liddell throwing kicks at my head, Randy Couture elbowing me in the face, and Jay Haran slamming me, I, I feel great. Everything's fine. How fucked up is that? Well, because you're with company. You're in your comfort zone there. And these dudes are punching and kicking me in the face. Yeah. There's something off about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, hey, let me get more CTE so I feel better. Like, it I feel safe there. Like, that's up. So, you know, um, but these fight teams that I have, these, I created our charity, MVP. So I'd have another team. Um, so that's one pillar. Another one is laughter. Play a million jokes on people. And you see me on TV all the time cracking jokes with those guys. A lot of times it's for the show. But it's a lot of time also for me to calm the gray down. And the third one I have is be of service. And mm. man, there's, I'm going to show you ways in the book. Even when I was broken and broke, I figured out ways to help other people. It didn't require a lot of money, but that got me through. So what it does for me, it gets me through the gray to see a little blue. What my goal is in life is to not just have these streaks of blue that are just random, but maybe I could start knitting them together and have more than five minutes here or 10 minutes there. Well, I would think though, you spend an awful lot of time with your Fox team that's in the TV hall of fame. You spend a lot of time fighting and getting your face pummeled. And also you do a lot of service. You do a tremendous amount of good for others. So you do so much of that. It takes up so much of your time that it makes me sad and disappoints me that there's even any excess time for you to continue to be in that bad spot you're in when you put your head down on the pillow? Well, it's not that there's excess time. It's just that the roommates in your head are always just barking at each other. And so I'm trying to get them to calm down and, and talk nicely to each other. So in those moments, um, they're, they're good. They're, they're uh, good's probably a, 
uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's a subjective word there, um, but I'm not self-destructive, which I have been very self-destructive in the past, which none of y'all knew. Um, I swear, like one of my friends called me the other day and he was just like, man, we always knew you were crazy, but we just didn't know you were in this much pain. And that's what, yeah. listen, if, and I want people to really understand this, the pain and the anxiety and the depression, while it sucks that I have it, that's what got me where I am. I don't stay in bed all day, even when I want to, right? I don't, when I make that decision to get out of bed every morning, once I do that, then I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to go after it. Because what happens is for somebody like me who doesn't know how to love himself from the inside out and, and doesn't get um, doesn't get what everybody else likes about him, it gets me, it motivates me to do such big things so I can get love from the outside in, right? So that's motivated me. So I don't, again, I'm, I use my scars to motivate me and let's say make my dreams come true. And you haven't found that that's brought you any respite. It hasn't brought you any inner peace. The moods haven't improved a little and the darkness has subsided at all, Jay? They have moments. Um, I, listen, I want people to understand, like, my life is great. My life is freaking great. Incredible. Um, but between my ears isn't. And then, hey, Adam, you know, as well as I do, too. Like, I, you listen, the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow isn't us making it on TV and making millions of dollars and all somewhere else. That's not it. Part of the goal of the end of rainbow is our journey. Like once you get there, I thought, and it's in the book, I thought it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns. But if you can't love yourself from the inside out, that's not the truth. Anything I do outside, it's going to make some things a lot more fun. And it's better I can pay my bills when, you know, back in the day, I'd have to kind of play fishbowl roulette and throw the bills in a fishbowl and pick one out. And that's the bill that's getting paid that week. <laughs> and the gas is getting turned off. Um, so yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of things that come along with it. And this has gotten me there. But no, it's like, man, I just never know who I'm going to wake up with every day. And these are these three things I'll use yet yeah, to get me um, to that situation where I'll see some blue that day. Well, at least I try. There's days I don't see any of it. Um, this weekend, Saturday night, when I was with the Fox and Neville Sunday guys, Five hours of blue. No, no, the whole time. Like I'm with them. We just laugh because I got the laughter and it's there. But yeah, the dark days, like I, I just posted something today, like the book comes out tomorrow. And I am having the most anxiety filled day today. Really? Because, yeah, because I feel like it's not going to happen. It's too good to happen to me. How, how messed up is that? It's too great to happen for me. So something or, or I will screw it up between now and tomorrow which makes no sense, right? It makes no logical sense. But this thing just plays by its own set of rules, man. But on Tuesday, January 25th, you will be a published author, an acclaimed author. <laughs> acclaimed author. It's like I said, I don't screw it up. Um, and it's just, and it's, it's, uh, it's mind boggling to me. And but that's, again, that's what happens. You, you're, so after the fact, you go, oh, this, this happened. Where this happened. And listen, when I first used to start, used to fight, I used to go in the cage to lose because that's what I thought I was worthy of. Like I'd go in there to a cage and I was, luckily enough, I was okay enough where I didn't always lose. Uh, I, and it allowed me to be a really good coach. Like I'm, a, I'm not a very good fighter, but I'm a really good coach. And I could coach other people through it. But my self worth was so low at an earlier age, I would go into a cage feeling like I should just take beatings. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What would you say is the darkest place you've ever been in? This week or last week or? Whenever. It's a place that really, you you know what it would be like? I could think back in my life to a couple of times. I remember one time in Denver when a girl had broken up with me and I was like, literally two months, like couldn't function. Right. And you're so scared of going back to a spot like that, of being the way you were, what would be a spot in your life from an experience you went through that you would be scared to go back to last week? I was so bad. I couldn't get off my couch, which again, I make the decision to get out and do something. And I was debilitated last week. And I started posting this in real time on social media a month ago. Cause I'm like, I don't want to wait another month to help people. Mike, I want to. Sh- we all talk about mental health, but nobody actually describes it. I describe it in this book with a conversation I had with Sean McVeigh, and who doesn't, who's trying to understand it better, doesn't grasp it because Sean, like his night is a, his life is a nightlife. Are you kidding me? Like you look at him, his parents look like the people who come in the picture frames. You know, when you buy a picture, and the worst thing ever happened to him is he lost the Super Bowl in his second year as head coach. And Whitworth <laughs> and I were trying to get him to understand it. Um, but yeah, last week comes to say, like, it's a dude, it's a week to week thing. And so I've been trying to get people to see it. So I started posting on social media last week. I, I couldn't get, I called my, one of my teammates, Mark Kerr, who was the first ever UFC heavyweight champ of the world. Um, HBO did a documentary on him called the smashing machine. Go look him up. He's 285 pounds, but I took my own advice. I will call my teammates. I'll call somebody. Bro, I'm struggling today. Why? No, no clue. But man, I can't get out of bed. I need you to come over here and help me out. And he came over, pulled me off my couch. We sparred. He punched me in my face and I felt fantastic. That, <laughs> this isn't like something that happened. Oh, I'm writing about it from 10 years ago. This is in real time. And um, look, it's mental health is also something you got to practice. So what I wrote in the book, when you read it, I want people to, to learn this and then practice it over and over and over. Same way you would something else in sports. So it's something I have to practice. But there's been times, actually, the funny story is, you and I broke the story about three seconds apart, maybe. Um, this whole 
I was in a really dark place at the end of last year. I knew, I, I knew, I knew, I was thinking, what story? I knew, I knew right where you were going to go. Yep. So, so Whitworth calls and goes, what are you doing? I said, ah, you know, I'm just here. And it was, uh, I think it was maybe this week. No, it couldn't have been this week. Might have been a week. It, no, it was, it was, it was the week of the divisional playoffs last year, I believe. No, because we did the divisional playoffs. So how'd be, I, no, no, it was the week after, right? Or, yeah, so maybe the week after the championship game, probably that. Yeah, because our season had ended. That's what it was. Okay. But everything goes back this year because of week 18. So it was a week ago because Whitworth just said it to me last night. And they go, what are you doing? I said, ah, you know, I said, dude, I got room for you down here in Cabo. Come on down to Cabo. I said, nah, nah. And he goes, come to Cabo. I said, nah. And he goes, why would you not? He's down there with Sean McVeigh. And McVeigh gets, he goes, why would you not? Don't sit there in your own gray. Like they, know, they now know what it's called, right? Because I do reach out to them too. Like you never know who your teammates are. Yeah. Whitworth, he's just as fucked up as I am. <laughs> we all are in our own ways, but go ahead. Yeah. You can't, you can't, well, you can't be great and not be crazy. You got to be crazy to be great. But to be 40 years old and still doing what he's doing and smashing his body into other people over and over and over, you got to be fucked up going in. So shit, okay. So I go down to Cabo and we have dinner, me, Whitworth. Uh, his wife, Melissa, Sean McVay, and his fiance, Veronica. And he's trying to ask me, Sean's trying to ask me about depression and anxiety. He goes, wait, so I don't get it. Like, you just wake up depressed? I go, yeah. He goes, why? I said, because I have depression. <laughs> he's like, great, thanks. <laughs> so Whit and I are trying to explain it to him. So in this book, the whole chapter of me describing what it's like, he's allowed me to replay this conversation um, for everybody, for the world, which is pretty Pretty wild. But yeah, the next day, now McVeigh was supposed to leave. He's like, well, if Glazer's here, then I'm just going to stay. The next day, Stafford happens to check in our hotel. Like, this was not planned. I, and I'm telling you, because McVeigh was supposed to leave. The only reason he stayed is because I went down there. He was not supposed to be there anymore. Yep. So McVeigh stays. Um, man, next thing you know, Whitney and him are texting. He comes over. He's staying in a different part. Uh, of our hotel. So we comes over, we're all hanging out in the hot tub, even though Stafford denies us. Yeah, we're all in the hot tub. And then we have dinner in Whitworth's room, and these two guys just fall in love with each other, you know. And by the way, as we're having dinner, uh, so we're sitting there, and man, these two guys are just, they are falling in love, right? And the, the Lions have already said that they'll trade them. So all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and Whitworth has like a chef come over, make us fajitas and stuff, and we're outside, and then there's a pool, he has a pool. Yeah. In his room, you know, because Witt's rich. So all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I kind of see out of the corner of my eye go like this. And this dude is running at us, fully clothed. And I'm just like ready to like, bam, right? But there's a, <laughs> there's the pool. I'm like, what does this do? And he dude jumps up and does a full cannonball into the pools. And it's Drew Brees. <laughs> just happened to be staying at the next bungalow or two. Like, it was unreal. So... Sure enough, these two guys fall in love. I know one of the guys there is texting you. I'm like, you better stop texting Chef. Hey, I'm going to do this shit, right? <laughs> and they get this thing done, man. And, and Sean calls Goff right there. Goff hangs up on him. And then, yeah. boom, I break it. You break it. <laughs> you know, right? And he's like, you're looking at the newest member of the Rams. Yeah. And I was like, literally said to them, you know what, man? If I wasn't so fucked up, none of this would happen. So you guys are lucky. Because if I wasn't up, they wouldn't have called and had them come, like had me come down there. McVeigh would have left. Those two wouldn't have fallen in love. None of this would happen. So you, you're all you're welcome that I have depression and anxiety. <laughs> so you get a game ball for Matthew Stafford 
being in the NFC Championship game this upcoming <laughs> Sunday against the 49ers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever allow yourself the ability to look back on the journey and reflect at how far you've come from $9,500 to the position you are today to being in the Television Hall of Fame? I come back to that, to having a book out, to all the, all, all the greatness you have achieved during your life, to watching Drew Brees take belly flops and cannonballs into the pool in Cabo and which room while the chef is cooking you guys. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, Jay. Hey, by the way, have I mentioned that we're in the television hall of fame? <laughs> have I mentioned to you that I'm not? I'm not getting over here. Oh, so. <laughs> by, by the way, but I, I want to pick up Woj sent me over the weekend. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, right? He sent me this little message, Adrian Wojnarowski, and it's called, it's from mentality facts on Instagram. I'm going to play for you. I think it's going to be able to come through here. Let's see if it, uh, if you could hear this and what this guy says, ready? And I, I think you will identify with this and I will, and he will. And I think people in our jobs who understand what it takes will do, will understand this, ready? If you want to be great, you want to be a bad motherfucker ever at what you do, you could be misunderstood by everybody because you're going to be so obsessed and so driven to get there. That's what it takes. That's the truth. It takes every second of your life anybody says balance yeah balance is important for a lot of people it is but if you want to go to that edge where people do not like you don't understand you question everything you do you you arrived that's what i say in order to be great you got to be crazy and because it's it's the hours that people greatness comes from the hours when no one's watching right and like i said i decided to out when you asked me a, a question before am i able to sit back and appreciate it Yes, especially um, a couple moments in life, you really find out who you are. When I first got hired to cover the Giants in 93 for zero dollars for some newspaper that went belly up, like I got paid like two paychecks, I think. Um, And I was making 450 bucks a year from New York One TV. Before I got the New York Post, which was like two or three years in, that was nine grand a year. Greg Gallo was like, you got no experience. I'm, not, I'm like, all these columnists are making like, you know, 60, 70, 100 grand. You got no experience. What are you going to do? You get $250 a story for like, you know, however many stories a year. That was it for the, all those years. When I walked in the giant locker room early on, I said, man, I don't have the same education as everybody else. I don't have any experience here. How could I be different? So, man, if these guys work nine to five, I'm not going to outwork them by a little. I'm going to outwork them by a lot. I will outwork. I'll be here from 7 a.m. until Strahan drives my at home at night about nine o'clock at night because I couldn't afford bus fare and uh, subway fare both ways. So Michael would drive me back in every freaking day. Like just, he understood my plight. That's a great friend right there. And, um, and I also said, man, I'm, I'm going to build relationships with people. I think back then it was taboo to have relationships with players and coaches. And I think you would have relationships, but in New York, man, it was taboo to do that. I'm like, well, that's where I'm going to be different. I'm going to build relationships, and over time, 
More scoops will come from those relationships by me burning somebody for a scoop. So for 10 years of me being rejected, by the way, when you have clinical depression, anxiety, and you being rejected for full-time jobs for 10 straight years, being told you're not good enough. Oof, oh, yeah. That's, that is absolutely brutal. My moment is, um, man, 1999. So 10 years in, 11, because I started in 89, interning at WFM Radio. Um, I'm on a little uh, driving range with Tiki Barber at Randall's Island. And uh, my agent, Maury Gostrand, another Michigan yeah, mom, yeah. Yep. calls me and says, what are you doing? I said, a little golf for Tiki. And he says, hey, and I'm going to try not to cry here because I, I get choked up because it's my moment. Uh, I really found out who the f- I was. I said, what's up? He said, we finally got you a full-time job. I said, with who? He said, CBS Sports. They just got the NFL back. I said, seriously? He goes, yep, you're going to be the NFL insider for CBS Sports. I said, I'll take it. And he said, don't you want to know how much it's for? I said, I don't give a f-. Like, it's a full-time job. When I said, when I said also on that first day, I will be the last motherfucker standing in that room every single day. Like, whoever said quitting is not an option is a tone-deaf moron because it's the easiest option in the world. It sits on your shoulder every day. For me to do this for 10 years, and I'm getting choked up here, and not give up, and for me to be validated for that's what I was going to commit to, man, that was my moment, you know? And that was the biggest moment of my life. It was for 50 grand, by the way. And great. Oh, my God. Thank you, my best friend, God Almighty, never. By the way, you beat me again. I went out to Denver in the newspaper field and spent 16 years, 16 years covering the Denver Broncos without doing the Denver Post. Yeah, Rocky Mountain News, then the Denver Post. And you know what? When you're telling your stories, every one of your stories, every one of them, I can identify with and give you my version of a similar kind of story to where when I go out to Denver in 1990 and I have two years of rejections, hundreds of rejection letters, and there was a bar on the Michigan campus called Dominic's that would give you a free drink for every rejection letter you had. And I tell people I could have owned the bar. Forget about getting a drink. <laughs> I had that many rejection letters. And when I, I finally, it. after two years, Jay, two years of rejections pouring in, Denver, the Rocky Mountain News, Barry Forbes flies me out there. I land, I interview. The next morning, he's driving me to the airport. He says, you got the job as a general assignment reporter. I said, unbelievable. So excited. So excited. He's about to drop me off at the old Stapleton Airport in Denver. And he says, don't you want to know what you're going to make? Same thing you're talking about. I said, I don't really care. What am I going to make? And he said, $22,000. And I said, $22,000? And he looked at me like, is this guy going to ask for And I said, I'm rich. Amazing, and said, right? And he looked at me and he, said, and he said, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> that was 1990, September of 1990. I can remember everything about it. So just like you got the call from Maury Gosford, a Michigan guy who put more time into advancing your career than he did a fellow Michigan man. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's got the stories. He saw greatness, you know. So. <laughs> he did. Obviously he did. And the greatness and the greatness came through. And by the way, that CBS job at one point, I don't remember what year it was. You and I were up for the same job. And I flew in. You I flew- were represented by the guy from If Entertainment. Uh, Steve Hurst. Steve Hurst. And I, and I was represented by Maury. And they gave me the job, but they only gave me the job, well, A, because I'm way better looking and, yep. and a great reporter, yep. you know. No, but only reason they gave me the job over you is because I was local. They wouldn't have to fly me in. If I lived in Denver and you lived in New York, you would have that job. But they said it was not on air at the time. 
It wasn't on air. Yeah, it wasn't on air for CBS. I was on air local CBS. And listen, again, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how I can be different. What that allowed me to do is become the first minute-by-minute breaking news guy in America on CBSSportsLine.com, me versus Len Pascarelli, who is at ESPN.com, and Clayton, who is doing ESPN.com. So that, you know, gave me another, like, 50, but it would, that was the birth of what we do, right, our minute-by-minute breaking news. There was no crawl before us, right? And I, and I think the, you newspaper guys used to get pissed at us because you guys would file something at, you know, 6 o'clock, and then – we break something at 10 o'clock at night and your back page would then be moot. So I took a lot of shit over that for a while. But yeah, that was, uh, listen, that was the start of, and people don't realize this. They, they see us now like, man, we were the, like, we we started an industry with this, right? Everything was newspapers and we raised everybody else's money. We raised access for everybody. Um, I think we changed it to a relationship-based business. But man, it also, that's when years really got taken off our lives, right? With Man, you and I would be racing for these scoops for like two seconds, and this is it. And who had it first? Then, and that was partly my fault because I tried to make it a fight, me versus all the ESPN. Because I, I like to fight. You know, I'm good with fighting. I'm like a David versus Goliath. And um, but you and I both have said people don't know this. People don't know. Adam and I talk before every season, right? I call you up, and say, hey man, you and Mort, wish y'all luck. We need each other because we need opponents. We need, you know, you need to fight somebody. But let's do it clean. Let's we can all get rich and 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 do it the right way. Let's not let's not steal each other's shit. Let's make sure we get our stuff right, right for every year. I call you. I I give us all a little pep talk. Well, well, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking as we as you go through this, I'm going to tell you something that you never knew, and I'm going to give you a lifelong accomplishment that you don't even realize that you accomplished. Okay, so you are in the Television Hall of Fame. You've got a book. You've presented a Hall of Famer. I mean, you've done things here that I could only dream of doing in my lifetime. Plus, I would say, and I would know this, you, more than anybody, are responsible for the credit system that ESPN established on the bottom line because <laughs> nobody can play more, nobody was louder about it, and nobody was more of a pain in the ass about it than you, where if you were called, if you felt like something was lifted from yours, which, by the way, goes on in the industry all the time, you would pout about it. And to this day, I would say- Well, I'll pout about it, fight about it. Fight about it. I would say, and I feel very strongly about this, ESPN does and almost almost always has done a better job of crediting people with information than any other media outlet. And yet ESPN got this label because of you no doubt for being called out and it caused the SPN to revamp its crediting system on the bottom line. So every time you see the bottom line credit system, you are a part of that. And I'm a part of my bosses are a part of it, to make it as fair as it could be as fair and just. And to this day, ESPN does a better job of crediting than I would say, or as good a job of crediting as any other site and better than most every site. Because I just had to give you guys a violent push in that direction. <laughs> so I, I remember, and again, people used to think that I hated you guys. I didn't. It was a good, it was a good fight. It was the David versus Goliath. Like I should not have anything ever. You guys, it's me versus 50 over there. But when I would have something, and I know I'd have it, and you guys would would you know steal attributions, I would say, oh, yeah, I would I would say, hey, ESPN, last time I checked, 
My last name was not spelled sources. <laughs> well, I got some breaking news. Jay Glazer has a new book out, and it's out Tuesday, January 25th, Unbreakable, How I Turned My Depression and Anxiety into Motivation, and You Can Too, by Jay Glazer, the forward by, Rock, by The Rock, and help written by Sarah Tomlinson. How much help did she give you, by the way? So one of my biggest messages in this book is you never know what lies around next Tuesday. And what I mean by that is, um, and Sarah didn't know this, I sent the last chapter over uh, after, how many chapters are there, 12 chapters? So I sent 13 or 13 chapters. I sent the 13th one separate from everything else. I waited to the last day of deadline to send it over. And what she didn't know is the reason why I chose her to be my author, my co-author, is because she overcame cancer. And I said, Sarah, and I, I wrote this in the book. I said, I know it sucks. I know it sucks you had cancer. And I chose you because you come through the other side of that tunnel. Cancer did not break you, right? And you're able to now look at that, that it didn't break you, and you came through the other side. And now you're going to help out, I hope, thousands or millions of people with the lessons in this book. So I know it sucked. And you're probably thinking then, man, why? Why? Don't try, try and figure out why. You never know what lies around next Tuesday. And she's reading the pages. She didn't know. I never told her until I let her read it. And that's why. And yeah, I got a teammate for life. She's a beautiful human being. Um, she was an enormous help. I wrote the book. It, you'll see. I write the way I talk. So there's a lot of curses and all this. Um, and she wrote a lot. She was so invaluable to me to the way her hurt. She wrote a lot of it. And then I put it into my voice or she edited what I said so it wasn't too coarse. And man, this was, this was probably the hardest year of my life because I intentionally didn't do my treatment so I could describe it as raw as possible to help as many people as I could. Sounds like an actor that doesn't eat for 40 days or somebody that does something that's crazy to get into part. So you were getting into part for the purposes of writing the book. Yeah, well, I wasn't getting apart. I was getting into my true authenticity. Yeah. And yeah. And it was, uh, I've had, man, even a couple of weeks ago, like Kurt Menefee, who's Kurt Menefee and Howie Long are like my two of my best therapists. They see when I'm starting to fall off the reservation. And they know. And Kurt, and, oh, yeah. And what do they do? Aside. They'll pull me aside and they'll talk to me like Howie. Howie is, man, he, he hey, 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 this guy's not falling it's not falling. Come here, come here. What's going on? Like, but Kurt will take me in his room. We'll talk about it. Sometimes if I'm manic and I just got to get it out, let me get it out. No. Okay. Okay. And he's just so soothing. Like Kurt is our credible host, credible friend, but an incredible therapist for all of us. Like there's six of us on that show, but there's 19 personalities amongst the six of us. <laughs> <laughs> so what he does is incredible. And Bradshaw and I have 13 of those. So. <laughs> yeah. So they'll, it, this is this is not like something like, oh, I went through this and I'm writing a book. This is a day-by-day -day thing for me. This is in real time. Well, I'm proud of you. And I salute you. And I respect you for things for achieving things that I can only hope to dream to achieve. You me, man? Look what you've done, bro. You out of your mind. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. And I appreciate you coming on and having that relationship with me today. And I wish you the best of luck Thanks. with your new book. It's an honor to be your friend. And congratulations on everything that you've achieved up until this point and all that's ahead, Jay. I love you, brother, and I appreciate it, man. Love you, too. And there is a man in touch with his feelings. 
got emotional there. And I wish Jay Glazer the best of luck with his new book. I hope everybody goes out and buys it. And I hope it helps with their mental health. Jay's done a lot of great work in this time, but probably none of it is more significant than the work he's done to help people and raise awareness about mental health. All right, we've got the conference championship games coming up this weekend. The first game on Sunday, the AFC championship, Cincinnati at Kansas City, which marks the first ever playoff meeting between these two teams. The Chiefs are playing their fourth consecutive AFC championship game. They won two of the previous three, including each of the last two. And the Chiefs are the first team in NFL history to host a conference championship game in four straight seasons. Bengals are in the AFC Championship game for the third time in their history, and it's the first time since the 1988 AFC Championship. They're 2-0 all-time in AFC Championship games, beating the Chargers in 1981 and the Bills in 1988. And this looks like it could be a matchup that we'll see not just this year, but for many years to come. And I know Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills will have something to say about that, as will Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers and some of the other great young quarterbacks in the AFC. But the Bengals right now are a junior version of what I felt like I saw with the greatest show on turf with the St. Louis and then Los Angeles Rams, right? Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, all these great players in offense with all this offensive firepower and potential. And it's interesting. We go back to a draft decision when so many people, including myself, thought that the Bengals would be well-served to draft offensive lineman Penny Sewell instead of Jamar Chase. And they took Jamar Chase and opted not to protect Joe Burrow as much. And lo and behold, Jamar Chase is a superstar. He is vying to be one of the best wide receivers in all of football. The Bengals draft decision was validated by going to them. And it's also interesting, the decisions that teams make on draft day are the ones that put them in position today. I think back to the San Francisco 49ers who play the Los Angeles Rams in the second conference championship game on Sunday. And I remember the draft in talking to the Rams and the 49ers in which both teams confided in me that they both coveted a tight end from, I believe, South Alabama by the name of Gerald Everett. And I knew the Rams wanted him and I knew the 49ers wanted him. And I would never say anything to the other team about the other team's interest But it was almost like I could see this collision coming. They couldn't, but I could. And I'm sitting back to see which team gets Gerald Everett first. Well, lo and behold, the 49ers draft Gerald Everett in the second round of the 2017 draft. The 49ers lose the tight end that they wanted, that they had high grades on, that they thought could become a star in the NFL. And three rounds later, after not getting the tight end they wanted, the 49ers drafted another tight end from Iowa, George Kittle. How'd that work out? Well, again, a similar story a few years later when the 49ers head into the 2019 draft and they want to take Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. I think Nikhil Harry has a chance to be a real star. Now, they like some other players an awful lot, but Nikhil Harry was somebody that they coveted. And lo and behold, at the end of the first round in that draft, the New England Patriots take Nikhil Harry right in front of the 49ers. 
They don't get the receiver that they really wanted. So the 49ers sit there and instead take a wide receiver from South Carolina at the top of round two, guy by the name of Debo Samuel. Now think about that. Didn't get Gerald Everett, didn't get Nikhil Harry, but did get George Kittle and Debo Samuel, who form the heart and soul of this team. And it just goes to show you, there's a moral there, that sometimes the best picks are the ones a team doesn't make. And sometimes it's best to have a team sit exactly where it is and take the player that they like in that spot rather than trading up. Why trade up when sometimes you can take a player in the spot that you are and he turns out to be as good, if not better, than the players you targeted and maybe even had higher grades on. But there's a great history between the 49ers and the Rams because of the fact that Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have worked so closely together in the past. They have a shared history in Washington. They both coveted Gerald Everett, and they both had some interest in Matthew Stafford this offseason. But the Rams were quick out of the gate, as Jay Glazer talked about. He was in Cabo to see it. I was on the phone from New York talking to the people in Cabo to hear about it. And the Rams got Matthew Stafford before the 49ers could even warm up their engines. And so Stafford's going up against the defense that maybe might have made a bid to get him and instead traded for Trey Lance, who basically couldn't unseat Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still in the position he's in. And here we go again. Rams, 49ers, part three, Sunday night in Los Angeles. Winner goes to the Super Bowl with the Rams vying to become the first team in NFL history to play a conference championship game and a Super Bowl on its own field in back-to-back games. No other team has ever done that. The Buccaneers became the first team ever to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium last year. And when the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford, when they did it, the idea at that time, fresh off seeing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, was that we want to become the second team in two straight years to play a Super Bowl in our home stadium. Only they'll have to do it against George Kittle, the man that they bypassed in favor of Gerald Everett, and Debo Samuel, the man that fell to the Niners in place of Nikhil Harry, and it sets up for another great weekend of football. Before I let you go, please check out Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to thank my guest today, Jay Glazer, for coming on and talking about his new book. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, her assistant, Sarah Abbott, for helping out and putting this podcast together. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll be back to look back at the conference championship games and begin to preview Super Bowl 36. Until then, enjoy the games. Have a great week, be well, and stay safe.